Welcome to the Campus Rush Podcast. We believe that God will speak through this word and meet you right at the point of your need. We hope that God will bless you through this message. 1 Samuel uh, 1 verses 1 to 18. I want to pick something from that. I want to preach a sermon tonight entitled, You're Not Done With My Story. You're not done with my story. Uh, before I get there, how many of you know that sometimes God has you go through things for the development of your story, for the development of, uh, of his story? Uh, if you didn't know, your life is a story and you're the main character. Your life is a story, you're the lead character, and you have many supporting characters that are in the same story with you. Now, who you decide and who you allow to have influence in your life will determine the trajectory of your story. The one that you give the most attention to will determine the trajectory and how far you will go in your life. Can I, is that facts? Is that factual? That who you give license to, to speak into your life, will determine uh, literally how far you will go. I, I look at this story and my dad, and my dad has been one of the most influential people or persons or whatever the proper English is uh, in my life uh, and he's an amazing voice that I allow to speak into my life because I've seen how he has been able to help me and to shape me to becoming who I am. I want us to take a minute right now to thank God for the people who are in our lives who are speaking and influencing us positively for the next phase. Let's just appreciate God for their lives. You know you have some mothers, some fathers. Some of you guys are here because of the, par- the prayers of your parents right now. You're here because of the prayers of your grandmother. Your grandmother was somewhere praying for you to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And because of their influence in your life, that determined the trajectory of your life. Now, with every story comes a few hiccups. In every story comes a few, a few challenges. You know, the, the greatest thing about music, I'm a musician. And I love music. One of the best things about music is that music is not one-dimensional. Music is, is kind, it changes in that not only is it change in style, but it changes even within one song. There is a song that even one song can come up with different various chords. We have minor chords, we have major chords, we have augmented chords, we have diminished chords, seventh chords. I'm going to stop right there. I'm losing some people. <laughs> Ninth chords. There's so many different things that you can put inside music. And the greatest thing about music is that even though you have a major chord and a minor chord and you have a sour chord that doesn't sound well all of those chords are needed for the symphony your life is a symphony and it needs minor chords there's some times in your story you will go through problems that you don't like but it's all part of the story it's all part of the development it's all part not every day is going to be a major chord not every day is going to be a happy sounding tune there's going to be some days that is going, to be, is going to be tough to get through. But just know that God is in the process of writing your story. He's in the chapter that may be a little sour, but I believe God is about to change and flip the page tonight on some people in here. I said God is about to flip the page on some people. He's about to change the trajectory of your life because of one thing, God's goodness. There's one thing about God. He's so good that even when you're going through stuff, he can't watch you in that. He has to come and bail you out. First Samuel 1 verses 1 to 18 says there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah, the region of Zupa, the hill country of Ephraim. It says each year Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice the Lord of the heaven's army at the tabernacle. The priest of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. It says on the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Penina and each of her children. 
Verses 5 says, and though he loved Hannah, we're introduced to this character in the Bible by the name of Hannah. It says, although uh, Elkanah loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice of person because the Lord had given her no children. Verses 7. Year after year, it was the same thing. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. And each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. And she said, and, and he would say, why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. He said, why aren't you eating? Uh, why be downhearted just because you have no children? Let me just pause right there. Man, some people just don't understand what you're going through. There's going to be people that won't understand what you're going through. And they think that they're sympathizing with you, but it's better they just don't say anything. Oh, I thought, am I alone tonight? It's better they don't say anything sometimes because sometimes only you know what you're going through. And even though you try to communicate, there's some things that are so tough that you can't even, you can't even talk about. Tears just come and flow. But it's all part of the story. Tears just come and flow and there's nothing that you can do about it. So Alcana comes, and this is Hannah's husband, of course, back in the olden days, you know, they were permitted to have multiple wives, and Hannah's there, and she's one of the wives of Elkanah, and he's saying, listen, I've given the portion to Penina, my one wife, and I've given her portion to all of her children, I've given you one portion, and why are you crying, you already have a portion, and she's saying, listen, I don't care about the food, there's a need that I need, and it's not being answered right now, sometimes food just won't do it. There's sometimes that what you find that you love won't do it because you have a need from God. We go on to verses 9. It says, oh, once after a sacrificial meal at Shallow, Hannah went up to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at this customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in a deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord, and she made this vow. She said, oh, Lord of heaven's army, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer me, my Lord, uh, my prayer, and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime, and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his his hair will not be cut. Verses 12, and as I'm concluding this verse... It says, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound coming out. He thought that she'd been drinking. He said, must you come and drink, he demanded. Throw away your wine. He said, oh, no, sir. In verses 15, she replied, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I've been pouring out my heart to the Lord. Verses 16, don't think that I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Verses 17, in that case, Eli said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you the request that you have been asked. I've come to speak to somebody. May God grant you the request that you've been asking him for. I don't know what you need in this place, but may God grant you that specific request. For you, it may be a job. For somebody else, it may be a husband. For somebody else, it may be God just show me my next steps. For somebody, it just may be God, I need an entrance into this new program. Whatever it is, I prophesy tonight, may God give it to you. May God grant it to you. I decree and declare upon this exalted altar that may God give you your granted request. I'm praying and believing God that people will receive jobs in their fields. I'm praying and believing God that as many are transitioning and graduating, the moment you transition, it just means the end of one chapter and the beginning of the next chapter. At the beginning of every chapter, there is people who stand at the gates, demons who stand at the gates that say, welcome to your new level. I'm praying and believing God that God will grant you access into the door of your new level. Come on. Give God a shout right there. That's worthy of God giving. I said God will grant somebody access to your new level. God is about to grant somebody access. Somebody shout access. Shout access. 
I, I believe in this blessing I see spiritually. God is about to grant somebody the master keys to their own life. Oh, God. There's something called the master key. The master key can open every door. May God grant you the master key tonight. I said, may God grant you the master key tonight. You see, Hannah understood something. She understood that although she had a husband, it wasn't the same as having a child. Some people's requests are different. She said, listen, Elkanah, I know that you're giving me this portion. I know that you want to be with me. But right now in this moment, I don't need a husband. I need a child. I have a need. There's something that has not been answered. Every day, Penina provokes me. Every day, Penina comes to me. She says, you don't have a child. Boo-hoo. And she's saying, listen, I don't want to go every day in my life living and knowing that I have no legacy. God, grant me legacy. What good is it to live life if you have no legacy? God, Grant me legacy. And she begins to pray. And the Bible says she prays so much, Pastor, to the point where her mouth is moving, but no words are coming out. She lost her voice because of the passion of her prayer. She said, God, this situation has been too much. This problem has been too much. God, I need a request from you. I need an answer from you. God, I need my story to change. I need my story to change. You see, I love graduation season. I've been, we've been sitting in so many graduations this weekend. I loved it. I've, I've attended every graduation that's been put on my schedule to attend. And I've come and I've enjoyed them so much because graduation, uh, it simply means this in my, in my terms of what I believe that it, it symbolizes. I believe graduation symbolizes the successful completion of an academic commitment, but it also symbolizes the welcoming of a new chapter. A new chapter represents a few things. Number one, new successes. Number two, new relationships. Number three, number three, new and fresh ideas. And number four, new challenges. Let me repeat that. A new chapter represents, number one, new successes. It means that you have the opportunity to succeed. Number two, new chapter represents new relationships. You will form new relationships as you are transitioning, as you are going forward, as God is elevating to you, you to this new, this new plane, you will gain new relationships. I'm praying that God will connect you to the right people. May God, listen, may you connect to your destiny partner. May you connect to the right business partner. Do you know all that you need is just to connect with the right person? There are so many great ideas here that all they need is just a financer, somebody, an investor, to just say, I believe in your idea and I want to take it to the nations. I believe that tonight God is just, just lining people's steps tonight to, re, to meet the right people that you are gonna shake the right hands because there's some people in this place that your idea is too small for just your bedroom. Good God. Your, your idea is too small for just your, your, your closet. Your idea is too small for just your notepad. Some of you, God is trying to give you an office. Stop thinking that God is gonna keep you in the basement. God is trying to give you a corner office with a great view of the canal. If you don't, somebody receives that. Come on, I, I receive that. God is about to grant somebody some incredible, impeccable office space to just birth their vision because your vision is too great for your pencil and your paper. The vision starts there, but the vision doesn't end there. The vision begins when you write it down. Number one, you write it down. Number two, you make it plain. Number three, it's visible. Number four, people see it and they run. Habakkuk teaches us, write the vision and make it plain that when people see the vision, they will run. I was talking to my leadership class that was teaching last week, Saturday. Shout out to my leadership class. Oh, I have a few people in my class. Come on. Someone said, oh, so, yeah. and, uh, shout out to my leadership class. And uh, I almost did a little crip walk. And 
And I was teaching them, I said, there's something about vision. Uh, you are to write the vision, that's the first phase. Number two, you make it plain. Many times we get caught up and our vision is not advanced because we're not simple in our vision. And number three, it says that, that you write your vision and then you make it plain, meaning that although you write it, although it's written from your mind to piece of paper, it needs to become visible. Some of us have our visions in, in just a notepad and it's just sitting on the top shelf of our, of our bed. But God is saying, not only shall you write your vision, but you have to make it plain. Why? Because God will only send destiny connectors when they can see your vision. People can only run when they see it, when it's visible. Write the vision, make it plain, so that when people see it, they will say, okay, that's what you're about. I see your vision, and I'm going to run with your vision. May God give you people that will run with your vision. May God grant you men and women that will come looking for your ideas. May God grant you people that will come to finance your ideas. I'm talking about financial ideas because I'm seeing billionaires in this place. I'm seeing future millionaires in this place. I'm seeing influencers in this place. I'm seeing game changers in this place. But it only happens when you make your vision visible write the vision make it plain so that when people see your vision they shall run some of you guys gotta 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 start printing t-shirts with your vision i am this i am i am i am social media expert i am i am entrepreneur extraordinaire <laughs> i am complete business mogul you, you know <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness some of you guys have to make t-shirts even from the front and the back i am a and on the back millionaire so that they can be looking at both sides god is not just going to bless you in one way but blessings are going to come from the left from the right in front of you behind you who am i preaching to tonight god is about to send the right people to you good god almighty somebody say it is so shout and say it is so God. Number three, God is going to grant somebody new and fresh ideas. A new chapter represents new and fresh ideas. God is going to grant somebody a multi-billion dollar idea. And, and, and what I really believe is that sometimes our ideas come in phases. Phase one, phase two, phase three, but God is ministering to me right now that God is about to give somebody a complete plan. Oh my God. God is going to give somebody a complete plan and that complete plan is going to tell you how to do it, when to do it, and who to do it with. God is going to grant somebody refreshed ideas. Receive that in the name of Jesus. My God. The last thing, God is going to grant somebody new challenges. Receive that. I saw two types of people right there. I saw the person that said, are we supposed to receive negative stuff? I don't know. I don't know. Is that a curse? Or do we receive the good and the bad? I want to tell you something that with every new level comes a new devil. With every new elevation comes an evil eye that has also been elevated. You don't have to see the evil eye. The evil eye is somewhere. But tonight we blind it in the name of Jesus. Every third eye, every evil eye. Anybody who's been looking for your downfall, tonight they're dying in Jesus' name. <laughs> you see, new challenges are inevitable with change. With every change comes turbulence. When you're flying and you go to a different altitude, sometimes the plane begins to be turbulent. 
I remember I was on a plane one time with my father, and we were flying from Toronto to Amsterdam, and we were on our way to Nairobi, Kenya. Any Kenyans in the house? Woo! This is one. Wow. God bless you. God bless you. I love Kenya. She was like, whoa, so proud. Hey, man, be proud. Be proud, Nairobi. I love East Africa. Beautiful, beautiful place. I love East Africa. I got some East Africans. Ugandans, my Rwandans, Burundis. Hey, Jesus. Hi. I said East. You're from South. What are you talking? Man, I love... <laughs> You're from, from Zimbabwe's country. <laughs> East Africa. God bless East Africa. Beautiful place, beautiful. I was on my way to Kenya, to, to Mombasa. We flew through Nairobi, and we were on our way of flying across overseas from Toronto to, to, to Amsterdam, to Holland. And that must have been probably one of the roughest flights that we were on. I think it was about two years ago. And, you know, we were, I, was my, I was with my brother and, and Dr. George. We were all three of us sitting together. And, uh, you know, the plane, we were in so deep in conversation that we didn't even realize the turbulence until after we had landed. And then my dad was apologizing and saying, guys, I'm so sorry. The plane was so rough. I was like, plane was rough? We were so engulfed in conversation that we didn't even realize the, the amount of turbulence that was happening. And my dad said, you guys didn't realize the turbulence? I said, no, we didn't realize anything that was going on. I want to tell somebody something, that as you're going to a new level, it matters who you're connected to. We were blinded by the turbulence because we were so engulfed in conversation. Some of us need to be engulfed in our vision and our purpose so that you want to realize the turbulence from one level to the next. Turbulence is inevitable, but when you engulf yourself in something, when you hide yourself in God, when you begin to hide yourself, who am I talking to? When you begin to hide yourself in God, you don't realize all the devils that are coming. There's some people that are not worth your attention. They're not worth your second look at. They're not worth your talk. They're not worth your speech. They're not worth your breath. But when you begin to be engulfed in the word of God and you're engulfed in the things of God. You don't realize all the people that are non-factors. There are some non-factor people that must end tonight. Your relationship with them must end tonight. Why? Because the reason why every day, Pastor, I'm going through something. Please be seated. Pastor, I need a meeting. Pastor, I text you, you don't reply me. Pastor, I sent you WhatsApp. The T-shirt's blue. Not replying me. Oh, Pastor. Pastor Kofi doesn't reply me. Eh. Eh. Hey. Pastor Kofi's don't reply me. <laughs> Every day you're going into challenges and problems because you're connected to the wrong people in flight. You're in flight. Have you ever been on a flight where you're connected and you're sitting beside somebody who's just yabbing and yabbing and yabbing and yabbing? You notice every bump on the flight. You're looking at, where are we? We're, at, we're in the middle of the Atlantic. Jesus, take us there, Sibby. Because this baby is crying on the plane. This person sitting beside me is trying to talk because they're scared of flying. I just want to be here watching my movie. Drinking my orange juice. But when you're connected to the right people on flight, we, Pastor George, we were talking about youth. We were talking about what God wants to do in the nation of Canada. We were talking about, man, we got to do something. We got we to take this gospel to the four ends of the earth. We were so engulfed in the vision of what God has placed in our heart. It was a seven and a half hour flight. It felt like three hours. 
we were talking like we didn't even realize the flight was so quick because when you're connected to people in flight, oh my goodness, even your elevation feels shorter. Your time of flight of destination is shorter. Why? Because when you're connected to the right people, they can tell you, have you watched that? You don't need to go there. It will waste your time. I've been there before. Not just being connected to people, but being connected to people who've been where you've been. You need to start, stop talking to people who haven't been where you've been. And start talking to mentors who already know where they're going. Goodness, my goodness, who am I talking to? I'm dropping too many gems and you're not replying the way I expect you to reply. Help me preach to somebody. Say, neighbor. Yeah. I haven't done this in a while. Say, neighbor. Yeah. Come on, say, neighbor. Yeah. Be connected to the right person. Put your left and your right hand together. Give God a good shout. Give God a good shout of praise. You got to be connected, man. I'm not, a, I, this is my introduction. I'm, I'm going to end. I'm not going to get into the real message. No, I can't. I'm going to, I'm not going to. Some people are checking their clocks. I'm not going to get into the word tonight. <laughs> no, let me, let me, let me, let me chill here for today. Let me chill here for today. There's, there's some new challenges that come as you go on on flight for new things there's some new challenges i want to just share with you uh, just a small challenge that i went through and then i'm going to show you um how you can you can be able to to move through various challenges i remember you know uh, in the third grade i was uh you know we're in the season of education and my my testimony some of you guys know it some of you guys don't know i just, i struggled with with education for a very very long time i was in the third grade and i remember I was in French school. I've been in French immersion. Some of you guys don't know I was in French immersion from like kindergarten. Well, I was in English school in kindergarten. And then my kindergarten teachers are like Mr. Darte, as in my father. They said, Ruel, that's my, you know, my government name. They said, Ruel, <laughs> everybody has a government name. If I start saying people's government names in here, <laughs> you know, they said, Ruel is, is, um, is quite bright. He's very smart that if you keep him in English, he's going to be bored. So why don't you give him a challenge? Bring him to a French immersion. I think that it will challenge him. He won't be bored because he's just, it's kindergarten and he's really bored. So my parents, you know, being the great parents that they are, they really, really are. They said, okay, let's take Kofi from English school and he's doing well. Let's throw him in French school. Let's just see what happens. My parents do not speak one word of French. I don't know. It was only by God's grace that we made it through. But what ended up happening is that as I went through, uh, you know, from grade one to grade two to grade three, French was a language that was foreign to me. I grew up in a Ghanaian household, parents straight from Ghana. They don't speak French. And now I'm thrown into this French immersion program. No inclination. I don't even know left from right. Don't even know how to say whatever. And now the student that is doing so well is now flunking and failing in French immersion because I just can't understand the language. Like French, is, uh, math is in French. Gym is in French. Everything in English is in French. Everything is in French. <laughs> Spanish and French. I'm like, yo, I don't understand the, the basic days of the week. How are you going to throw me, you know, addition? I'm trying to understand. So I'm trying to understand the principles of mathematics, but yet still trying to understand the math itself. And, and so that created a challenge. And that, that challenge crippled me. There's something that happens that when you, are, when you come and you are confronted with a challenge, if you do not change your mindset, what happens is you, you become comfortable with that challenge and that challenge becomes something that you associate with and something that you cannot do without. In that what that, it, it is such a difficulty that it becomes a crutch that I like this crutch because it supports my bad behavior or it supports my bad attitude or it supports the reason why I'm late all the time. It supports the reason why I'm not like that because I identify and I associate with my struggle. Oh, good God. 
So what, ha- what ended up happening, I'll be out of here soon, what ended up happening was from grade three to grade four to grade five, man, I wasn't getting Fs, I was getting Rs. Those who in French immersion, you know what that is. <sighs> Those who in English school, I don't think you guys know what that means. They don't give you F, they give you R. Now me, I thought the R was, you know, when I was in school, my name was Ruel, so I thought it started with the R. So many times, I'm so serious. So when they put an R, they would like, my teacher would like take a whole page. She was so mean. They were so mean in French immersion. God, I forgive them in Jesus' name. God has made me new. Good Lord. She would write an R on my page like this in red pen, and she would circle it. And I was like, wow, she really loves me. Like, she loves me so much that she wrote the first letter of my name in big letters. I would just stack up those R's, and I remember at the end of the school year, I was like, Dad, look at this. My teacher really loves me. And my dad's like, buddy, you, you failed the whole term. And, and honestly, quite honestly, it's funny, but it wasn't until that point where when you get to a point whereby you realize that everything you're touching is failing, my goodness, it brings you to this point whereby you don't have no choice but to slide into this depression, but to slide into this inferiority, but to slide into this insecurity. Insecurity welcomes you when you don't have the ability to have the mindset for success. When you don't have the mindset for success to make it over your trial and your tribulation, insecurity welcomes you. Oh, come in. You can be insecure about your education. Come in. We had a room for you here. So insecurity became my best friend. All these things that challenged me became things, things that I thought that I would never struggle with were things that, that embraced me so closely. Grade five, grade, after grade five, my parents said, you suffered too much in French. We want to bring you to English. But what happened is because this A-plus student in kindergarten transferred over to French immersion for five years, what ended up happening is that during French immersion, I, could, I, could, I lost all my English skills. I couldn't even write in English. I spelled tomorrow with, with four R's. I, I did it yesterday with two Y's. I couldn't write in English because I've been studying French for the last five years. The foundational stages of my education were in French. How am I supposed to learn English? So I end up in grade six, and I'm not only failing French, you know, core French, I'm failing English courses too. Now I'm failing math. I'm fa- Why? Because there was no proper foundation. I know that God brought me here for a reason, but man, I'm telling you, maybe it's just to share this testimony. I'm, I'm convinced if I had gone to school maybe and did English, maybe I'd be like an astronaut or something. I, I don't know. What maybe I could still be an astronaut. I don't know. It's a new, it's a new, I don't know. I'll just be an astronaut or something. <laughs> A mathematician and just do something. But, you know, I started the struggle in grade six, and, and that struggle uh, prevailed from grade six to grade seven to grade eight, prevailed to grade nine, and then it heightened in grade ten when I met a math teacher who sat me down and said, Ruel, I don't think you're ever going to do anything worthwhile in life. Some people say demon. I, I call it stepping stone. I, I call it stepping stone. Not stumbling block, stepping stone. Someone say stepping stone. Because she was my panina. She was my panina that provoked me. I was, I was, I was provoked by this teacher. And I know her name, but I'm not going to say it. Damn that. <laughs> okay, I got it out. I got it out. <laughs> and... Uh, she began to provoke me, and, and she provoked me so much to the point whereby 
I lost all hope. But, but one thing that I love about God is that, that in the story and the trajectory of your life, in the storyline of your life, God allows it to climax. And at the climax, he gives you a decision. Are you going to trip over this or step over this? In every great story, there is a turnaround. Have you ever watched those stories or, or watched those movies, and I'm wrapping up right now, where you, know, you have the good guy in the movie, and he's back up against the wall. In fact, two people come up right here. Two people come up. I want to demonstrate this real quick. I, I, want, I want to demonstrate this real quick. All right, I, I, I want you to come right here. You're going to stand behind him. You're going to stand in front of me. You're going to stand and look at me right now. I want you to, to point as though you're about to kill me. The greatest thing about every story, have you watched those movies where it's by the, the, the heroine thinks that his back is up against the wall? You watch those movies, those action movies? Come on, kill me. <laughs> you know, my hands are up. But, but you know those stories where little does he know there's somebody behind him? Do you know those ones? And that's exactly what God did with me, is that in every story, even though when I think that my back was against the wall and my education was going nowhere, God was always surrounding my problem. Man, God was surrounding my problem because in every good story, there is a turnaround. In every good storyline, there is a turnaround. Even though you think your back is up against the wall, and I'm prophesying, I'm preaching to somebody. Even though you think you are up against the wall, the mortgage can't be paid. Man, God, I've been out of a job for five years. God, man, I'm just, is he coming or what? I'm about to just leave this church there because God, you said you would send a man, but the man is not coming. God, my back is up against the wall. And in every situation, God says that whatever you think you're surrounded by, I'm surrounding it. So what happened was this, that even though that God, not the devil, God brought me to a point where I suffered with my education from first grade all the way to 10th grade. I had a panina that provoked me. I had somebody that said you would never make it. I had somebody that put the gun to my head and I had a decision right there. I could have said, you know what? I'm taking this into my own hands or I could say, God, I'm going to stay right here, but I'm going to allow you to fight my battle for me. I'm prophesying to somebody in this place that will allow God to fight their battles for them if you want a god to fight your battles jump up to your feet right now god golly god all of a sudden all of a sudden someone shout all of a sudden come on say suddenly out of nowhere you can say that if you want <laughs> out of nowhere the dots began to connect. The penina that I thought was a stumbling block to prevent me, to prevent me, was just an obstacle I had to go over. And in the 11th grade from nowhere, topics that I should be failing in, I was topping in. And it's not those stories where you're, you know, your pops tells you, I was topping in my, no. <laughs> My I, A levels, I was ah, number one on the no, no, no. It's not that type of no. <laughs> I mean, I was topping my class. I, I, out of nowhere, grades that were foreign to me, Pastor Kizito, 95s and 93s and 92, grades that I had never experienced in my life. God began to just favor me. 
and all this happened because of one word that was spoken by a prophet in the states my dad called him and he called my dad and he said God is going to come through for your, your children's education and my dad said okay I'm holding on to that word but I'm not sure about it now I don't know if I'm talking to people here but I, I'm telling you my story of, of a pit and a promise being in a place of promise being, being, being with a promise in a place of the and all of a sudden things began to click for me to the point so much so that as I graduated university I had offers to McGill, I had offers to Queens I had offers to Carleton, all programs I applied to by the grace of God somebody that was failing how can you now be succeeding what happened was because I met an obstacle instead of tripping over it I decided to step over God is calling us to step over obstacles tonight he's calling he's calling us to fight to allow him to fight for us in this circumstance and in this place tonight and not only did it stop there came to Carlton by God's grace and did my four years and my three years and God helped me and, and I just recently completed my master's and God has been with us and I want to thank you all for helping me and we give God all the glory and I just completed so I've, I've completed Bible school so you can trust that what I'm saying is, is, is from the Bible I finished seminary and, uh, and I'm just uh, literally just about to be admitted to my PhD program and so we thank God And last week, something came upon me, and I'm concluding right here. And I was talking to my dad, and I said, Dad, you know that, that, that teacher that said I wouldn't make it? I said I wouldn't make it in life. He's like, yeah. I'm like, I feel like I want to call her to let her know that I'm about to apply for my PhD. <laughs> Holy shade. <laughs> Holy shade. Because sometimes you just need to wave your degree in the enemy's face and say, I mean, sometimes you just need to, sometimes you just need to say, man, you thought I wasn't going to make it. You thought that you surrounded me, but I, there was something that surrounded you. But I had compassion. So I'm now in the process of reaching out to some of my old elementary school teachers. One teacher said, Mr. Darty, my dad in a parent-teacher interview said, listen, I know your son is failing everything, but if you look at his, his, uh, his motor skills, if you look at, uh, you know, those, you know, the, what are those things, the E's and G, the E's, G's, S's, whatever, the skills and whatever, I always had E's. And he said, that is actually what matters the most. It's character. His character will take him some places where people's grades won't even keep them. Character will keep you in places where grades can't even keep you in. People these days are looking for soft skills, not hard skills. How do you work well in a team? I don't care about if you can write code. Can you, can you actually work well in a team? Um, I reached out to one of my, my elementary school teachers who told me, Mr. Darte, this man is going to make it far in life. And I emailed her and her, she was so surprised. She said, Ruel, this is my home number. This is my home address. Anytime you want to drop by, I have cookies for you. I said, <laughs> where you're going with this thing <laughs> it's not time for cookies <laughs> but she was so surprised she was so surprised that I reached out to her but she wasn't surprised at where God has brought me because she said I always knew you would make it because when other people fell you walked over I need you to take about three steps forward and say I'm getting over it 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 I'm getting over it
Thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. If you enjoyed this message and want to partner with us, visit us at www.campusrush.org to become a global partner or to partner with us in giving.